Guys, I want to thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com, my friend Cody Nelson, the glassing guru, the optics authority. He's the optics manager at GoHunt.com. If you have any interest in buying optics or have any glassing questions, whether it be tripods, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, range finders, anything to do with glassing, give Cody a call 702-847-8747. That's extension 2 or you can email him at optics at gohunt.com. You can also send him a text or call him on his cell phone at 602-399-3699. Guys, right now at GoHunt.com Insider, you can take advantage of the free trial. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash jscott. You're going to be able to take advantage of a free trial of the Insider. GoHunt is always adding more value for their Insider members. They've now added real 3D maps as a part of Insider for no additional cost. What an incredible value. Very soon, they're going to have their mobile app up as well. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash jscott and sign up for a free trial. If you're already an Insider member, it's automatically part of your Insider membership. And you can just go to the Maps tab up at the top once you sign in as an Insider. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's the gear that I wear on all of my hunts. To find out more, you can go to KUIU.com, Kuyu.com. They're a direct-to-consumer company. They sell everything off of the Kuyu.com website. I also do a lot of question and answer on my Instagram where I'm answering questions about guys wanting to know about gear about Kuyu, so tune into my Instagram. I want to thank Kuyu for their sponsorship. I also want to thank Phonescope.com. Use the JScott20 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount on all orders. And I want to thank AllElk.com, home of the Bugle Mule. Use the JSO10 to save 10% on all orders. The Bugle Mule attaches to your bugle, and it's a great little carrier that holds three elk calls right there on your bugle tube. And its I can't wait to use it this season. Again, thanks to all the sponsors of my podcast. And today we are talking with Chris Rowe of Rowe Hunting Resources and we're launching kind of a new series here called Real Elk Sounds. And I'm excited to bring Real Elk Sounds right to this podcast. And Chris uh, and I are going to give some commentary on uh, elk clips the real sounds, cows and bulls making their sounds that they make. And uh, I'm launching this episode or this series uh, in an effort to help you guys uh, become better elk callers and understand uh, elk language. And by, by listening to the real elk sounds, uh, I think you'll get a real good grasp on 
the timing of their calls, uh, the, the cadence, uh, the, the, the throatiness, the raspiness, the nasal sounds, and uh, hopefully uh, you can use these real elk sounds to uh, put your elk calls in your mouth as you're driving down the road or as you're hiking or, or whatever you're doing and uh, try and sound as real as you can and for me uh, capturing these sounds on, on getting the audio either on video or on audio uh, really helps me when I'm trying to mimic exact sounds so hopefully you guys find as much value in this Real Elk Sounds uh, series uh, as I have. Uh, I've been studying elk sounds for many years and trying to become a better elk caller and uh, listening to the real elk is where uh, where I have found uh, it, it helps me the best. So hope you guys enjoy it. I want to thank Chris Rowe of Rowe Hunting Resources. Okay guys, I'm going to set up this first clip of Real Elk Sounds and this goes back a few years. Uh, Dar Colburn and I uh, were scouting for elk in Arizona. It was uh, just a few days before the season. And in the morning, I, I was able to uh, locate a big group of elk uh, glassing off of a knob. And uh, I had seen a pretty good bull in the group. And so Dar and I had made the plan that... Uh, he would try and get out in the meadow between the trees that I saw them going into uh, that morning, thinking that they would filter their way back out uh, into this big long meadow and then work their way down to the water hole. And so Dar was able to position himself uh, right in the perfect spot and everything just worked out and the elk actually fed out and, and ended up uh, walking right by him and he was able to capture uh, this audio that you're going to be able to hear and what we're going to do is I'm going to play the clip it's about a five and a half minute clip I'm going to play it in its entirety first and then after that clip is over with Chris and I then are going to break down uh, break it into four or five parts and give some commentary on the different sounds so first part is is just all elk and then the next part is Chris and I uh, given our commentary on the clip I hope you enjoy
Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we've got Chris Rowe of Rowe Hunting Resources, and it's great to have you on today, Chris. I'm excited to uh, break out some of these elk audio clips and uh, see if we can, uh, you know, break into some of the noises that are being made and why they're making them and uh, how this can all relate to uh, elk hunters. Uh, but uh, the, the clip has just run in its entirety, uh, and our listener has gotten to listen to the five-and-a-half-minute uh, clip. And I, I think the value of, of us breaking it down, I think it, a lot of guys are going to really enjoy that. First of all, Chris, how you doing? Doing all right, my friend. How are you been? Oh, I'm doing good. You know, I've been uh, really trying to focus on, uh, you know, getting my body in as good a shape as it possibly can be in by doing a lot of hiking here out of Carbondale. And um, I think I did close to 10 miles today. And, you know, for me, just getting ready, the, the best thing that I can do is is duplicate how I'm going to be elk hunting. And, and for me, is hitting all these trails um, around Carbondale where anywhere from 6,000 to, you know, 10,000 feet, uh, you know, within a 15, 20 minute drive of my doorstep here has got me, uh, really, uh, I've come a long ways in, in you know, in a couple, three weeks that I've been really getting after it. So I'm excited about that. Well, for my... Have you, have you told people yet why? I mean, have you told people what, what tag you drew? <laughs> Well, yeah, I've, I've mentioned it on the podcast. Uh, for those listeners out there, I drew a Utah Beaver Unit um, elk tag. Uh, I had 16 bonus points uh, going in, and I actually uh, just saw the numbers yesterday. I, I drew a 1 in 172. I'm the only non-resident that has the archery tag. There's six resident tags, so there's seven tags total. Uh, now, keep in mind, we do have to compete with spike and cow and uh, archery deer hunters, uh, but I believe the spike and cow hunters cannot hunt the last week of the season. Um, so, but seven, you know, archery hunters, uh, limited entry archery hunters. So, you know, the the quality on the beaver from everything I'm being told is good. And so for me, being a, you know, fairly a flatlander coming from Phoenix, Arizona, Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, there's no better way for me to prepare for this elk hunt than to be at elevation and to be, uh, you know, hiking at the elevation that I'm going to be hunting at. So Carbondale, Colorado is very similar to, to the town of Beaver, Utah, and the unit actually is very similar to where I'm at uh, spending the summer here and, you know, anywhere from 6,000 to, you know, 12,000 foot peaks. So um, it's just a perfect simulator, if you will, uh, for for what I've got going. Yeah, it's nice. That's awesome. I I, I am. I'm jealous. That's a, that's going to be a sweet, sweet tag. Yeah, I'm. I'm. You know, I was really excited going into the draw, uh, just from the standpoint. I think the dates are about five or six days later in Utah than they normally are, and uh, you know. I, I, I'm hoping that the last week of the hunt that, uh, you know, the rut will pick up. Um, but, you know, you never know. We, 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 you don't know what weather's going to bring. You don't know what the timing of, you know, the season, if they're really going to get cranked up. But uh, I'm going to give it my best and going to have fun doing it. Um, I, I want to dive into these clips. Uh, and, and I want, uh, you know, a guy with your background 
a, a biologist and you have studied the elk language uh, so extensively and, and your resource, uh, the elk module on uh, row hunting resources ha has been such a, a pivotal part in me learning a lot about elk sounds. Um, I wanted to have you on this podcast to break down some of these sounds so that our listener could be able to hear someone that really knows what the elk are saying and why they're saying it. Because I've learned um, to be a good elk caller by mimicking. And a lot of times I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say. And since I had you on the podcast, uh, for the listeners that are listening for the first time, you can go back through the archives and there's uh, some great episodes with Chris Rowe talking about elk. And what it's done for me is it's actually helped me in my uh, strategy in calling because now not only am I trying to mimic these sounds, but I'm trying to uh, know what they're saying and I'm trying to understand what they're saying and you've been such an integral part of that. Well, I, I appreciate that. I mean, it's, that's, I mean, it is, it's, it's kind of a passion of mine. I, I really enjoy it. And, and, I, and obviously like we've talked about before, I've built an entire website around it. I do think it, it is important to kind of get an understanding of what they're saying and more importantly, why they're saying it. Um, this, and, and I love this clip because I mean, I already, I know of a couple things that I want to chat about, but, um, the, there's so much to it that I think people can get out of it. And even if you don't, oh, I don't even know how I'm going to say it. I, I think the best thing is to do is just, is to, to have people just listen to it over and over again. And then let's just go through it and, and let's talk about some of the specifics that we hear, because there is such it's so dynamic and there's just so much to it, I think, that people are going to get out of it once they really dissect it. Yeah, and, and you know, for, for the listeners out there that maybe don't understand elk behavior and, uh, you know, why these elk are making these sounds, I mean, that's why I've bought, brought Chris on here to help us because I've been in the boat, like I said, of, of I've always tried to sound as good and mimic as good as I can and sound as natural as I can, but to take it an, another step further, which you do on the elk module at Row Hunting Resources, is you actually go into why they're making it. Yeah. And I think the more I'm able to understand why they're making it, it really helps me when I'm trying to assess the situation. I hear bulls bugling, I hear cows, calves talking back and forth. And if I just start chiming in, you know, with, with saying the wrong thing, it would be as if someone comes into a conversation and, and they're not even talking about the same thing we're talking about, you'd look over and be like, what are you talking about? You're not even in the right context. Well, and that's a big one, if you're in the right context or not. And because people need to realize, and, and the same thing goes with this, and you and I talked about this a little just briefly, um, just being able to listen to an audio clip is one thing. But if you don't know the context in which you're listening to it, it's hard to really understand, kind of really, it can be difficult to really understand what's going on. So if you're just going to mimic something based on what you've heard, that's good. I mean, and that right there, there's your first layer. Get good quality sounds and, and be proficient in your calling and being able to mimic these things are is extremely important. But you have, but the the hunter needs to realize that when you are vocalizing, when you're running those calls, you are painting a picture 
in that other animal's head. They're going to have a very solid expectation of what they should see when and if they come into your setup. If that animal you know, goes from wherever they are to your setup, the entire time, if they've responded to your calling and they are coming into your setup, they've liked what they've heard, you've given them at least something that they feel that they are interested in and that's in their best interest to go check out. But keep in mind, they have a solid visual image, a picture in their mind, an expectation of what they should see when they get close or even when they, especially when they get to the point where they should be able to see you, what I call the doorway. They're going to have a very solid expectation. That expectation comes from the vocalizations that they hear and the meaning that those vocalizations have. So on the on my site, the, the, on the elk module, I, my big focus is a lot of times is on the video aspect of it. In the video clips, we have an entire section, the gallery, where you can watch the stuff like this or the strategies and action sections where you get to actually see the animal doing the vocalizing, but more importantly, you get to watch their body language. You get to watch how they interact with one another. You get to see what is going on, and it better helps you understand why they are doing it, which then translates when you start calling. If you went into the field and you mimicked what you just heard, you, you mimicked that entire thing, well, it it pays to understand what you just painted a picture in their in their mind because that animal is going to come with an expectation and if it do, if when he gets there it doesn't make sense or he doesn't he doesn't get what he's expecting that's when you trigger them to swing around downwind of you that's when you trigger them to set up and or to hold up and and hang up out of range it triggers all sorts of things that the hunter's going to have a problem dealing with rather than if you just used it strategically, got them to come in and painted the right picture so they knew what to expect and you're in the right area and everything was hunky-dory to where when they walk and hit that doorway, they're standing right in front of you and they just take an arrow or take a bullet. Yeah, perfect. Um, Let's take a quick break here um, and hear from our sponsors and then we're going to dive right into the first part of the five-and-a-half-minute clip and our commentary. Have you guys heard about PhoneScope? PhoneScope is a privately held company that makes custom-molded, precisely engineered smartphone digiscoping adapters. Photographing wildlife has never been easier. Take digiscoping photos and videos from your smartphone and share them with your friends. PhoneScope stands behind their product with a 100% money-back guarantee. PhoneScope is the future of digiscoping. Get yours now. Use the JScott16 promo code and receive 10% discount on all purchases. Check them out at Phonescope, that's P-H-O-N-E-S-K-O-P-E dot com, or on Instagram, at Phonescope. Wilderness Athlete is committed to improving the health and quality of life for the outdoor athlete by providing field-tested, scientifically validated nutrition and sports performance products. Check them out at wildernessathlete.com and use the JScott promo code to receive 10% off any order.
that's probably a good spot there, Chris. Chris, what do you hear in that um, that jumps out at you that you'd like to point out in that clip? Probably the and this is something that I deal with a lot. I hear this all the time. People talk about all the time about you know I want to sound like a bunch of elk. All right. Well, there you go. That 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 right there. Everybody knows, or I would think that a lot of people would know that that that's multiple animals in that spot. Now, obviously, you have a bull or two in the mix, but most of that vocalization is all. It's all the vast majority is all cow vocalizations. All right, cow talk. And there's a lot of people that will always come up and say, "Well, I just I want to be I want to sound like a bunch of elk." Well, okay, a bunch of elk doing what? I can take you to Rocky Mountain National Park or Yellowstone or wherever, and I can park you in front of 300 head of cows and calves and bulls, and you don't hear anything but crickets or magpies because they're all feeding and they're all relaxed and they're not communicating. Just because there's a lot of elk doesn't mean they're saying stuff. And when they are saying things, there's a meaning and there, there's something to it. So when a lot of people talk about saying, well, I want to sound like a bunch of elk, oftentimes... When you tell them, you, you ask them, like, well, what do you mean? And, and you have them demonstrate what they're, they're talking about. You'll hear a lot of people doing what I, what I call the chirps and mutes, just that basic contact, back and forth. Well, yes, that can sound like a bunch of elk. But in this case, if you really listen to this and you pay attention to the structure of the vocalizations that they're giving, you're going to hear there's very, very few basic contact muse. There's almost no chirp. I didn't hear a single chirp in there. I very rarely did I hear any contact muse. The almost the, the vast majority of the vocalizations you hear in there from cows vocalizing are all lost muse. There's some whines in there, but they're all lost muse. Those animals are looking for a response. They are th th that vocalization is being used very specifically. Now you've set up this this uh, video and so people understand what what we're dealing with here but yeah and for people that were maybe uh, asleep in the intro basically uh, this clip is a bunch of elk that are coming out of the trees working across an open area on their way kind of to a gathering spot quote-unquote water hole it's in Arizona on public land uh, it's in the evening time and so you've got a group of, you know, 30 to 40 elk and they are moving from point A to point B and it, it's it's exactly what you're saying. One of the things that I heard there was I heard a pleading cow and I don't know if, if pleading is the right, but it, she's calling to her calf and the calf isn't exactly responding to her and you hear her intensify and you even hear her kind of have a little bit of a growl to her call and I, I'm curious your take on that intensity of in my mind in going into English it would be like where are you get over here I told you to get over here what are you doing what do, what do you think she's saying well, that, I, I, the, the main cow yeah absolutely I mean that the the prominent cow vocalizing in there is giving a lost mute she is looking for a response I talk about all the time about what that you know you can have a response that's visual or you can have a, a response that's vocal and it depends on what the cow wants and and what she's going to get but she is listening or she's looking for a response she is trying to elicit a response from someone so 
if she doesn't get the response that she's looking for, if she if, if she vocalizes, at, and I separate things out into, generally speaking, a level one, two, or three, just basically level one is, is very passive, level two is a little bit more intense, and level three is where you're, you're putting a lot of emotion to it, okay? So she builds it up. You hear her vocalizing, and yeah, that intensity level starts to build, and she starts adding that what you call pleading, uh, you can hear that inflection in her voice. She drags it out a little bit more. She emphasizes a little bit more. She starts putting a little bit more of that, that strain in that voice. She's pleading, if you want to say that, or she's just really putting the wood to that lost mute to say, I want a response. Where are you? Either give me a vocalization back or show up. I, I want you to, to make visual eye contact with me. Where are you? So absolutely, you nailed it. I mean, a lost mew, and that's what you hear throughout most of this, is a lost mew. These animals are looking for a response, and they're trying to stay together with one another, and they're trying to keep tabs on either another specific cow or a specific calf of, you know, either their calf or some other's calf and somebody else's calf or another cow, but they're trying to maintain contact with one another while they move across the landscape. And, and to be clear, when you say lost mew, you don't mean that the elk don't know where they're at and they're lost. Within the herd dynamic and animals walking around and they can't see their calf, in this particular case, that main cow that, that is making the most sound that you hear, you know, you hear say, where are you? You hear start pleading with it and then you still are kind of throwing some growl to it. She just can't see her calf within the herd. Correct. It's not like they're just wandering around. They have no idea where they're at. I just wanted to point that out. And then I think it's funny, and we hear it all the time, where cows and calves are going back and forth, and then all of a sudden the bull bugles, and you say, well, why'd that bull bugle? Well, I don't know that it had anything exactly to do with the, the predominant cow in this clip making all the racket. Probably not. I, I agree with that. Probably not. She's not. It's not like she's looking for that bull. She's not asking for the the bull's there. I mean, it, she, if she wants that bull, she can just walk over to him. She knows where the bull is. So yeah, no, I agree with you. I think the bull is just bugling just to broadcast his location and saying anybody else that's out in the landscape, this is where we are. Come along with us. Right. Um, we can probably go ahead and and run another clip here.
probably stop it there, Chris. The thing that I want to point out there is, and I, I say this a lot, when guys are trying to become a better elk caller, if they can get that real nasally sound and listen to clips such as these, you're going to be way better off even than listening to some of the best elk callers out there because some of the best elk callers that there are, and I, you know, I've had the fortune of listening to a lot of the best elk callers there, there is, uh, being a judge in the elk calling contest for three years, it's really hard even for the best of the best to, to mimic that real nasally sound and then within those nasally sounds to have all the different inflection points. And so if you're wanting to become a better caller, listen to these cows and how it's not the same, you know, yeah, yeah, same sound every time. There's all sorts of inflection that they're putting on the call. And that, that's something that, that I took out of this. And then you could hear those calf mews. Uh, or chirps. I'm curious to see what you're going to call them, Chris. Um, I've called in a lot of bulls actually sounding like a calf. I don't know why, but I know that I've made those little soft calf sounds, and for whatever reason, a lot of times bulls will just come running over, you know, licking their lips. Yeah, um, for me, I I agree with that. I mean, I agree with all of that. And, and to just to one thing to clarify, so people don't get bent out of shape. We're not talking about specific individuals. You know, when we're talking about don't, you know, don't just focus on people who call or good callers. We're not talking about individual people. We're just, just no, not at all. We're just talking about generally. If, if you're listening to a human do the calling, you can have some humans that are extremely, extremely good, but Correct. they're still going to have a limitation. So if you try to mimic that individual, you are you are mimicking that individual, and and you are are going to be limited based off of their limitations. That's why, I, I mean, again, in the elk module, I have the gallery. I, that was the whole purpose for that. Listen to the elk, because I, I don't think we have the lung size, lung structure, most of us, to be able to push the air like elk do. And so some of the, even those subtler breathy sounds that they make are, are going to be a challenge for us. But if you're listening from an elk, if you're listening to the elk, it gives you the most pure teacher that you can ever hope to listen to and strive towards so even if you miss the mark a little bit you're at the most pure form that you can by listening to the elk so so absolutely listen to those elk sounds or watch elk as much as you can whether it's video whether it's in person whatever spend time with elk and elk sounds okay and now the other thing that you mentioned and i hope people picked up on that first break when we kind of when we kind of broke it there, it was about a minute and a half or so. And if you listen to that first minute and a half, you'll hear a lot of cow vocalizations. And again, from what I hear, is a lot of lost mews. Those those mews that are trying to elicit a response. Now, again, like Jay said, it's not because they're lost. That's just a common vernacular. For so for people that are just getting into elk hunting and they're not very familiar with terminology. For generations, long before I was even born, people that were calling elk generally classified and named that type of vocalization a lost mew because it was a cow that separated and she's looking for someone, okay? So we just maintain that kind of 
vernacular. So a lost mu does not necessarily mean they're, they're lost, just means they're looking for someone. Well, that first minute and a half about, if you pay attention or you go back and listen to it, you're going to hear a lot of cows vocalizing. You'll hear the calves in the background, but you're going to hear a lot of cows vocalizing. Well, the cool thing about this, about at about 120, well, about 130 to 145, you'll hear a transition. All of a sudden, I start picking up a few assembly muses that the adult cows start to tone down their vocalization. All of a sudden, you'll hear a couple assembly muses thrown in there, which that's a cow saying, I want you to come to me. So all of a sudden, boom, you get a couple of assembly muses, and then all of a sudden, you hear the bulk of the mature cow sounds fade off, and you'll have a handful of calf vocalizations in there. Now, those calf vocalizations, for me, are still lost muses. Those, those calves are looking for, presumably, their mothers or the adults that they were tagging along with. So they're trying to catch up, and they're, and they're, 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 they're la either lagging behind or they're just trying to catch up. They're trying to make that final little contact with whoever they're trying to respond to and show up for. But the cool thing about this is, and people need to, and I think this is important for people to identify, if you are going to, and, and quite honestly, this whole thing would be classified what a lot of hunters would call excited cow calling. You'll hear people talk about excited cow calling. This, in my opinion, would classify as an example of what some people say excited cow calling. Well, but, but it's not. Well, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's what some people would call it. All right. So, but even then, all right, if you listen to it, there are ebbs and flows. There are high points. There are low points. There are there are places where there's a lot of vocalizations, and then there's a places where it tones itself back, and and only there's a couple vocalizations. All right. So for a solo hunter like myself and like a lot of people, this is where if you want to try to sound like this, a couple things. Number one, you're going to have to be running, in my opinion, multiple types of calls. So have a diaphragm in your mouth. Have a, a wide read, external read call. Maybe have a narrow, skinny read, external read call. Maybe a hoochie mama or whatever. But have multiple calls at your disposal because, like you hear in here, there's a lot of different vocal signatures. That's one another thing that I talk about in the module is I talk about the vocal signatures. Well, you can hear there's a pile of different individual elk because you hear the individual voices. So number one, if you want to sound like this, you need to have multiple calls. I don't care if you have a good mouth diaphragm in your mouth. The vocal signature of that call is going to be relatively fixed. So you can do a high pitch, you know, calf vocalization or a low pitch mature cow sound, but that's it. You got two, high pitch, low pitch, you're one cow. It's not until you grab another type of call that you're going to impart a, another vocal signature. And then number two, don't just hammer it and say, you know, stay sustained in your cadence and in what you're doing. Make sure you're you have some air, you know, periods where you're calling fast and furious, and then maybe taper it back, let things sit, let things be quiet, maybe throw in a couple calf calls here and there. But then let that be dynamic. Let it ebb and flow. Let it have some organic component to it. It will sound so much more realistic. It sounds like a tiny little thing. And when you listen to this, you don't even notice as it's happening unless you specifically pay attention to it. But I will tell you, on the landscape, 
you will be able to tell a group of elk doing this versus someone over off to the side doing the calling. Now, obviously, if, if you have a multiple person setup, you've got you know a hunter, a shooter, and then a couple guys behind or whatever, it makes it much, much more easy to sound like multiple animals. But make sure your party, your hunting party, and the people that are doing the calling still have this all in the same, you're all on the same page. You have this in mind. Ebb and flow and, and have that organic nature to it. Yeah, I think it's interesting, too. You point out the assembly muse, and it's very specific. And what happens when a couple of those cows fire off assembly muse, all of a sudden you get a couple bulls bugling. Yeah. Well, and because they're saying, I want you to come here, and they're responding. Right. You know, the bulls are like, all right. Let are you talking to me or are you talking to your cow? Well, and, and a lot of times the bulls are like, okay, she's saying, I want you to come to me. So that means we're, again, if you, especially when we're talking about mature bulls, people need to remember this. Mature bulls follow the cows. They're not the ones out there leading the cows and saying, oh, we're going down here. Now, they'll push them in places. Most of the time, when they push them in places, it's to get away from another bull or get away from danger. But most of the time, it's to get away from another bull. But most of the time, if a mature bull is doing his job, he's going to let the cow do the dictating of where we go. So when that cow, you got a couple of them, it's very subtle. But when you hear that cow, and drag out that low note, she's saying, I want you to come to me. That means she's staying where she's going to be. She is where she wants to be. And if that if that bull is like, oh, I need to be over there, he's going to vocalize and say, okay, everybody else that's out there that that is, you know, responding to the sound of my voice and is coming my way, we're going this way. This is where we need to be. She's over there. She says, I'm comfortable. I'm relaxed. I'm stationary. I want you to come to me. And even if she's calling her cow, talking to her calf or talking to another cow, that bull's going to be like, let's go. We're going that way. Good stuff. Uh, what do you think? Roll a little bit more? Sure. Okay. Let's, let's stop it right there, Chris. What do you interpret those last cow sounds? What would you call that? Well, that cow, again, she's still pri primarily doing lost muse. 
But the beautiful part about that is she's so close to the microphone, you can just hear the subtle stuff. And actually, that, that's from the last time we stopped at about 2.20 until about now, which is about 4, well, on, my, on my counter anyway, it's about 4.15. Um, you heard a lot of dead air in there. They, they actually, there was very little vocalizations to start. But the vocalizations you did hear were just those subtle, just whines and just, uh, uh, you know, breathy sounds. And that's that ebb and flow you're talking ebb, about, too. Yeah, but more importantly in this one is, okay, if that bull is in close, if he's close and you need to get him to step out one more step or two more steps or you've got to really just kind of finish that animal to, to finally come into your shooting lane, don't just statically just come, yeah and give your just basic run-of-the-mill mew. Because if you hear there, as you hear this, there's a lot of breathiness to it. There's a lot of, you know, some people say emotion to it. Yes, there is. You can hear that. <sighs> okay? Add that stuff. And this cow at the end, again, she's mostly doing lost mews, but she's adding those, what I call, you know, you can add, say, a demanding mew, or she can say a frustrating whine. You can do just regular whines, whatever you want to call them. But she's at, I mean, obviously that's the realism, but she's still elicit, uh, trying to elicit a response. She's tr still trying to get someone to respond to her. And she's just adding that realism that I think people sometimes fail to make. And they forget that when you're using a diaphragm, you still can add your voice or either your voice or your breathy sounds to that cow, you know, that cow vocalization, that cow call. You know, we talk about it all the time, and a lot of people talk about it all the time when we're bugling. If you want to get a more realistic bugle, you know, you have to add those breathy sounds. You have to add your voice. Sometimes people forget that you can do the exact same thing with cow vocalizations, and I would argue you should, especially when they're in close, especially if you want to finish them, if you want to be that little bit better than every other hunter that's on the mountain, listen to her and listen to those subtle sounds that she puts in there and try to incorporate those in your calling sequences. Great stuff. Let's, let's roll it. Right there, that—that's exactly what you're talking about. Right there in that second note where she hit it, and it exactly. changed her tone a little bit, and but it it adds a little bit more intensity to it or inflection to yeah, it. Yeah, I talk about the frustrated whine. That frustrated whine is a vocalization. A lot of times that they'll do it's just it, it is exactly what they talk. It, what it sounds like, frustrated. And it's a whine. It just and you can literally and if you're watching the body language. I can tell you right now, you just watch her and you listen to her, watch her ears, you watch her head position, neck position, body position. She's looking intently. You can almost see the expression on her face where she's like, where are you? Come on. What? And you, just, you can hear that, give me a response. Somebody, get, come, come on. Where are you? Show up. Respond to me, please. Again, people talk about all the time pleading or adding that emotion. Okay, there we are. Take it a step further and say, okay, Add emotion to what? Okay, she's giving you a lost mew. That lost mew means something specific. What does it mean? She's asking for a response. It can be vocal or it can be visual. 
but she really, really wants it. So if you're going to add that emotion, you're going to add that pleading component to it, you're saying, I want a response, but man, dang it, please, just respond. Okay, so it adds that level of realism. Yeah, it was a per it's awesome, awesome example. All right, let her roll. Those elk actually were so close you could hear their footsteps that you know the the tapping that you could hear was them literally getting so close to the camera that that you know you could hear them walking yeah and <laughs> it, it, that's what I talk about all the time call them to your toes baby yeah and it just like you said in in the prior you know break or statements you know you can it's so close she's so close to the mic you can actually just hear the emotion in that call you can just hear it and i can't stress enough that if guys would be a little less afraid of you know quote unquote being aggressive i don't really necessarily mean it's not an aggressive calling but it's like get out of your box get out of your shell a little bit as a caller Listen to these sounds over and over and over and mimic these the, the emotion in these sounds. And when you get into the woods, actually don't be scared to initialize contact. And then because you've practiced so much making these quality sounds, don't be afraid to then put emotion in your calling. It'll make all the difference in the world. Yeah. Now, this is where... I will say, this is where I will say that yes, but also make sure you're you're doing it strategically and, and for a purpose and know what you're saying. Um, yeah, you don't want to start out just, yeah, I mean, you need to make initial, you need to contact and make, you know, you don't just, if, if you were walking down the street and all of a sudden you heard, so, you know, somebody going, hey, come over here, come over here, you might run because... You might think the guys over there getting mugged, you know. You know the the initial response may be not I'm going to come help. It might be like I don't know what's going on over there, but I'm getting out of here. Yeah. Well, or but the same token, you, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, the the funny part is you could be at a coffee shop and somebody's sitting there drinking a cup of coffee with their friend, and one of them is going, "Oh, this is so good." This is so good. Oh, this is so good. Okay, how many of us are going to want to go? <laughs> All right, so 
You have contact vocalizations, what I call what I classify passive vocalizations, where you really don't want to add emotion. All right. There is no point to add emotion because you add emotion to your basic passive contact vocalizations, you are going to sound very, a very freak. strange. <laughs> But when, You're gonna be a freak. Yes, but but yes, when you are talking about what, and I classify these as targeted. And, you know, I I talk in the elk module all the time about passive strategies, or in the in the elk hunter strategy app. Um, people look at that, and you'll hear me talking about or see me talking about passive strategies, targeted strategies, and aggressive strategies. Well, this all this whole thing fits squarely in the realm of what I would consider a targeted. If you, if I was doing the calling, this would be a targeted strategy because I'm saying specific things to elk outside of my group. I'm, t I'm saying vocalizations that are trying to speak to someone else other than the elk that are right there with me, right next to me that I can see and that I can, that I can engage with on a visual basis. So yes, when we're talking about targeted vocalizations and targeted strategies like this, and we're talking about lost muse, assembly muse, frustrated wines, aggravated wines, all that, selfish muse, whatever, that, yes, pour the emotion into it. But if you're talking about basic <laughs> contact vocalizations, nah, maybe not so much. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's great stuff, buddy. I really appreciate you interpreting these clips with me. I look forward to doing it again. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, the great uh, resource that you have at Rohani Resources in the Elk module. I uh, want to encourage the listeners uh, that want to seek out more of, of and get a, a detailed uh, interpretation and get to see the video and, and listen to Chris go through uh, a, a bunch of these elk behavior and, and vocalizations to make sure to check out the elk module. Chris, I want to give you a chance to uh, tell people where they can find you. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's just uh, www.rowhuntingresources.com, R-O-E, huntingresources.com. And like Jay said, it's it's for those for those of you that if you if you want a deeper understanding, if if you want to have a better connection and, and really, I mean, just take your calling to the next level and really understand behavior and and understand why these elk are doing what they're doing. Why is she saying what she's saying, and what is the body language? you know, tell you and, and how, when you're out in the field, if you, if you see this and you hear this, if you want to understand what is going on so you have a better ability to predict what they're going to do and what the bull is going to do or what the bull expects and what vocalizations that you might need to either follow up on or do differently, that's what my the, the elk module does and, and my website kind of helps folks do we've got hours i think now it's more just the elk module itself has got more than 20 hours and it's all video based so in a large percentage of it, whether you're talking about the gallery where it's just nothing but raw elk behavior elk footage elk vocalizations not necessarily in a hunting situation it's just watching the elk do what the elk do you hear them you watch them i provide commentary i provide you know a breakdown of it or the strategies and action section where we go out into the field in a hunting situation, but we still get to see the behavior, we still get to, to hear the vocalizations, and then I'm actively trying to call them in. When you get to see this behavior and watch their body language, 
it really does open up the whole new world as far as your level of understanding and uh, your ability to adapt and change to situations because everything's out, out in the field always changing. And so if you understand why elk are doing what they're doing, you will have a much better ability to roll with the changes and adapt and do what is necessary to get the animal in front of you than if you are just, you know, I'm just going to throw out some random cow sounds or, or random, you know, bugles or whatever. So, yeah, if, if folks are interested in that, jump on there. It's a subscription-based uh, website. Uh, you, we've got either three-month subscriptions or a full-year subscription. The base price is either 25 bucks for the three-month or 50 bucks for the full-year access. 